Hey, warriors, welcome to the Untamed Life podcast, where we are breaking free from those chains of the past and rising to lead extraordinary lives. I believe it's time for us to ditch the rules of this world that are keeping us enslaved in the grind, playing from behind, and instead opt into a conscious and strategic upgrade, one that is founded in spiritual principles that can only be accessed through the power of the heart. So if you are craving deeper, more meaningful relationships, vibrant bodies full of life force, true prosperity in all arenas, and a life of adventure, this podcast is for you. My name is Christine Jewell. I'm a high-performance coach and spiritual mentor, and together we will awaken the king or queen you are destined to be so that you can experience the fullness of life that's waiting for you. Let's dive in. All right, welcome back to another episode of The Untamed Life. My name is Christine Jewell, and today I'm here with a couple awesome people who are clients of mine. We've been working together for, well, over a year anyways, and recently have been going through the initiation. And I just adore, I adore both of you so much. And I love the journey that you've been on. I love the vulnerability, the desire to lean in and do the work as a couple. And so I'm excited to have this conversation with you guys. Really, today's topic is, you know, the challenges, relationship challenges that we face as high achievers and divorced couples rebuilding the second time around because the dynamics are different, right? And we always want something different. So I'm just um, really happy to have Jordan and Eric with me today. I think like so many of the times we think like I'm here to coach and, you know, I've got other people through the journey, but really we're just all learning from each other all the time and, and sharing space and creating space for safe conversations. So before we started, I already told these guys, anything they say <laughs> will not be held against them, right? We're, we're all about creating safe spaces. So I want to just have you guys take a second and do a quick intro, introduce yourself. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself so people can relate and, um, yeah, that's it. So Jordan, I'll have you start. Just say, hey, tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Jordan Sanders. Eric and I have been um, together for about three and a half years, but this is both of our second marriage. I was previously married for 14 years together for 16. Uh, I have two sons, um, 14 and 12. And uh, I've been doing um, Christine's program and um, it's just been amazing. I feel like my whole life, I've never really gotten to know myself or anything. And, and through this program, I, I feel like I'm finally like, wow, here she is. Yeah. She was in there. Yeah. I love it. And what do you, what do you do um, for a living or what have you been doing up until this point, <laughs> even though we're in a transition? <laughs> yeah, I am in a transition of exploration, but um, I was in real estate for a lot of years, but now I, um, I, I model for the North Face, and that's fun and everything. And um, and uh, I'm also just you know letting God kind of lead my path and see what else comes up next. I love it. It's so good. Eric, tell us a little bit about you. Um, my name's Eric Sanders, and as Jordan said, we've just been together for about three and a half years. We've both been divorced, and we both carried a fair amount of baggage into our new relationship. Uh-huh. Um, I was divorced for. A couple of years before we got together, but and doing some work, but it's hard to do the work when you're not getting the triggers when you're not in the relationship. So that's been the best thing that I can think of. It's it's really working with you has been on the job training for both of Jordan and myself to 
understand and realize when we're getting into it, what we need to be doing and how we need to be doing it. It's been an invaluable resource to be able to be reactive um, in the beginning and then start to be proactive. So it's been, it's been really cool. I, lo- I love how you said it's on the job training. I want to like put a pin in that because mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of things out there that, you know, say, well, you got to go off and heal on your own. And there's an element to that in the sense that like, it's your, it's your job. It's your responsibility mm-hmm. to do your own healing, but you know, we're broken in relationships and we feel the pain in the relationship and we feel all the triggers in the relationship. So it's in the relationships that we heal And, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things, like everyone wants to go off and just heal over there by themselves and then come back. And if the, if we don't experience the triggers along the way, they, they show up. So it does give us an amazing opportunity. The challenge though is, isn't it that we don't just jump in to the next relationship without doing the work. So I think the key there is like, we got to be committed to doing the work and it's our work and it's in our work. And, and that's what I, I love working with you guys and I love working with couples that are aware that it it's, it is work. It's inner work um, as you do, you know, go through this together. So, um, and it's funny because even though we're working together, it was like, you guys get to like work on yourselves individually and then you get to practice together. Right. So I want to come back to that in a little bit, but what are you, I know that we came back, we had a live event in Sedona together. What are, I want to start with now today. What are you two, you know, looking to create in this season of your life together and as individuals? So I'll just, Eric, I'll let you take the lead on that. But I know that we kind of started that conversation in in Sedona and then we kind of pulled back and then we are revisiting it now. So what are we here to consciously create in this season? Well, I think Jordan and I both are trying to um, understand the lack of control and try to create the future instead of, I mean, I, I would say that most all of our um, interactions were reactive in nature. And now we're, what do we actually want in our relationship? What do we want with the two boys and realizing when we're trying to to take control and try to manipulate and make things the way we want it instead of the way God wants it. Mm. And we've had a, a few instances where that's happened, but our conversations are better. I mean, especially with the boys and what we want for them and what we think is good for them may not necessarily be what they want to do and what they think is good for them or what God is. And so there's, there's a lot of surrender to that point. And in the past, it was always just trying to control the, the teenage boys and, that doesn't work well. Control no. the boys, control each other, control, 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 right? So this season of life is more about surrendering, control, being more proactive, looking at the future. Where's God leading us? What are we here to create? Um, instead of recreate, <laughs> we create from the past. Jordan, do you have anything to add to that, you know, for yourself? Yeah. You know, like what Eric said, surrendering, but also, you know, you, you come in, you know, you go through the the divorce and the relationships and you have the baggage and it's, you're not, you're just, you're kind of, you're not aware of how much you're really carrying. And then it's, so right now it's like, we're realizing how much we've carried and we're like dropping that armor. Like, I don't need to have that armor up that I've had for so many years with the previous. And so it's 
surrendering. It's learning to trust and really just dropping all that armor and coming as ourselves and surrendering to God and, you know, creating, um, a very healthy, creative, adventurous relationship together without all that stuff weighing us down that doesn't need to be there. And it's been yeah. very freeing to experience that. Like, I don't, I don't need to carry this. Like why? <laughs> yeah, it is freeing. It's liberating. It is so liberating. And it's still a, you know, it's a process, right? We're mm-hmm. human, the process. And I love, I love that. Yes, yes, yes to all that. Is that what you thought you needed? No, I, I, I didn't. I mean, I knew that there was stuff, but I, I, I honestly thought I'm over it. I don't carry that stuff, you know, but it, I thought it was, needed? what did you think you needed? I thought I needed, um, I thought I needed him <laughs> to, 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 um, relax more and then it would be better. You know what I mean? He needed to heal more than I did. Cause I thought I had done all this healing, but in fact, I really hadn't, you know, I was carrying just as much or more than Eric was. And I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the humble humbleness. I love. <laughs> we gotta eat the humble pie. You know, nobody wants to eat the humble pie. But it's true. Like what we need is not always like very rarely what we thought we needed. Eric, what did you mm-hmm. think you needed to get to this other space, or what? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I thought that we were aware of this of the issues. Um, mm-hmm. We both knew what it was. It was it was having to how do we change the behavior. How do we change that? And like Jordan said, the armor was there. And, and I think the realization of the uh, degree to which I, I was wearing armor, I didn't realize that I was. And how, you know, I think everybody has a controlling nature, um, however they do it, either direct or um, manipulative. But understanding that and letting that go um, has been the biggest piece for me. It's, I didn't realize that was part of my armor was trying to control situations and um, mm. being curious instead of being critical and judgmental. That's a, that's been a big one. Um, but it's, you don't know what you don't know. And going back to, you can't work on yourself because you don't get triggered. And, you know, in the beginning of relationships, there aren't triggers because everything is just, you know, unicorns and rainbows, but then things get real and everybody's baggage comes out. And having a way to deal with that instead of saying, well, if the other one wouldn't have done this, we'd be fine. Mm-hmm. And to a large degree, that's the way it was. But now it's more, okay, this isn't what we wanted. What, how did I react and what can I do to change? And, and a large part of that is just being consciously aware. And we go through life just thinking that we are aware, but we're not. We're just based off of routine habits and reactions. and that's not a good way to, to, to live. And now we get to understand what we're doing, why we're doing it, and then make those changes so we have a better relationship with each other. But also for me, it's been a tremendous lift in the amount of work that I get to do because I'm not constantly preoccupied with us, with what the boys are doing. Yes. And, and I can actually focus on what I need to focus on. Okay, talk to us about that. Because I know you and I have had that conversation about how much time and energy 
most people are like how much bandwidth in the day is going towards worrying about thinking about what you did wrong or what the other person is going to think you did wrong or, you know, like, especially when you're trying to run a division or a company or anything, right. And you're just like, what does that do to your bandwidth? Right. Well, I mean, there was a lot of times that where I would have ideas that I wanted to implement with my team or um, processes and procedures and, you know, I wouldn't have it all baked in, but would want to have a team meeting to go over it and talk about it to get it going. And then inevitably there'd be something going on that by the time that meeting came, I wasn't prepared and I wasn't going to implement it. So a lot of good ideas just sat and didn't get implemented and didn't get to be proactive in business. And that is a, that is a huge deal because then that it's, it's a, it's a cycle because you know, your home relationships bleed into your business and then your business doesn't work so well. So then your business plays into your home relationships and it's getting all that. So you can be present in both spaces, giving hundred percent of your focus or as close to hundred percent as, as I'm capable. And then, you know, um, working towards uh, a created future instead of a reactive future. Yeah. I think it's so key that we get this. Like, I just want to like grab everybody, Jake, especially, especially the men, women too, that are hyper-masculine, but especially the men are like, no, you know, like I have to compartmentalize and we, we do in a way, but like you're, you, you can't separate yourself out, you know, like you are one man and whatever's, or one woman and whatever's going on at home, it's spilling over into your business, into your meetings, into your teams, like whether you speak it or not, it just oozes out of you. And if, you know, whether you're a guy or female and like, we think, (laughs) we think it's not affecting sometimes, or, you know, sometimes we know, sometimes we're pretending it's not, but it's like, I always say like who, who we are just oozes out everywhere we go. And like, we bring the work home. We're rigid, you know, we're home. We bring our home stuff to the business and our teams can feel it. And it's like, it's like the dog six sense, you know, people can sniff it from us and it really does close us off to receiving so much more. And this is why I love doing this, this journey and this work, even though it's not business coaching by any means, what I've noticed is that when we, when we start to get more in alignment, you know, with our inner man or our inner woman and get our relationships right, it really brings oxygen to everything else and doors start to open up and things begin moving smoother. And so I just, I just love it because it's like, we're more in integrity. It really comes back to that. Like if we're out of integrity inside, we're, something is off, you know, we're not whole, we're not moving in alignment. It's like, everything starts to feel harder. You know, work is harder. Parenting is harder. Workouts are harder. Maybe that's the only place we get some relief, but um, I just want to- The energy that we're putting off is, is not is not positive either. No. If, if we just come from, whether it's an issue you have at work and then you, you're at home, if you're not cleaning the energy, you're not being- um, Recentered back into the, the focus that you need to be with intention, you you can't you can't create, and so it, those things affect both sides, um, your home life and your work life. And I, I like I, I believe one hundred percent that people react based off of the energy you're putting out. And if it's not a good energy, you know, a lot of good ideas don't get bought in and they don't get um, implemented because people are just not into it. Yeah. I think uh, I think it was Joe Dispenza who said 50% of the memories we have too are made up 
<laughs> 50% of the things that we recall from the past are actually constructs of our mind. We've manipulated them somehow, right? And mm-hmm. then we know, well, if that's true, and like over 90% of our thoughts today are recurring from the ones from yesterday, like how much of our reality is just make makeup land, you know, like we're just going on and we're living out these realities that we swear to God are true, but we're like, so we're just self-fulfilling prophecies and just in these yeah. loops all the time. So you said something that, you know, we talk about a lot is becoming more aware that conscious pattern interruption is so key, right? It's like, let's just observe the patterns because we're in these patterns We're you're humans. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. And let's become more conscious, aka more aware, so we can begin begin to pattern interrupt. And that's when we can start to navigate things differently. So I want to go back to, um, you know, obviously we don't know what we don't know until we're in it. And then eventually people get to the point where they're like, we're kind of repeating some of the same stuff from the past, right? So what what are some of the major, I mean, obviously all relationships have hurdles and challenges, but I'm really curious. So like, what are some of the major hurdles that you have faced as a divorced couple specifically? Because, you know, I just wanted to kind of like ask you that first, you know, what major hurdles have you faced as a divorced couple the second time around? Jordan or whoever wants to go. Well, I mean, of course, in the previous relationship, I mean, it didn't work out for certain reasons, but, um, I think Eric and I would both agree that because of the environment that we were in, we also didn't behave like the people that we wanted to be. And you kind of just kind of deteriorate and everything. And so you, you come with this, um, shame and guilt and you have this, this anger but you you don't really realize towards the the opposite sex, and it's just like trying to. I guess one thing like that I notice is if things happen with Eric and I, and it triggers me of something that happened with my past relationship, I relive it. I think he's out. He, oh my gosh, I picked the same man. Like look at how ridiculous I'm. Or or look at me. Like I'm broken. Like I shouldn't be with anybody because I'm obviously not fit to be. You know what I mean? mean yeah. like yeah. things like that and so those are the biggest things it's these stories that we tell ourselves and I believe one or the other either he's bad or I'm too broken and I'm bad and then I run with that story and create untrue situations <laughs> what are some of the specific patterns I mean we've talked about it already what what with you Jordan what are some of the specific patterns that you saw playing out because I mean we all we're all humans and we all have these same kind of patterns like our versions of them. Right. Um, but what are some of the patterns that you saw that you're like, okay, yeah, I can no longer like blame this on him or someone else. Cause this is a recurring theme in my life. Or in um, I would say like, you know, in my previous relationship, I allowed the other person to dominate and I just kind of went with them. And, and, and in turn, I didn't, I guess, have any, I mean, much value I felt in, in the person, like, you know, I just was, I was supposed to stay in my place and whatnot. Um, so I guess the pattern, I think I, I I became into the victim mode, you know, like I'm, you know, I can't, I got all this going on and I'm pushed down, so I can't do this or that. And so that, that's been a big thing. Like I've been in this, I think a victim mode where if Eric's even trying to encourage me or something, 
I take that on as he's controlling me or he's saying I'm not good enough. And so I'm a victim and like, he's doing the same thing, you know, and that's not true. You know, he's just encouraging me and stuff, but I, you know, I'm in that mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we get into these games. I know we've talked a lot about like, okay, my partner's the enemy. I'm like yeah. having to defend myself or be on the offensive to prove something. And mm-hmm. I know that's something that you've been working through a lot and, and, and dissolving through and stuff like that. So I think that's cool. And and so mm-hmm. what are you, what is your, what are you like really getting to focus on right now for yourself and the relationship around that? I guess like being okay with, with where I, where I am and, uh, not having to prove my worth or value because the fact that I feel that I've always felt that, that I need to do that keeps me in that victim mode because why, if I'm having to prove that all the time, then I'm not feeling it myself. So being okay, like I'm in that, this phase of nurturing my body and kind of exploring of what God has planned for me next and just, um, accepting that. And also accepting that Eric is accepting of that. And he's not, you know, uh, negatively judging me and all that he's supporting me, Mm. you know, and, and I've been a lot more conscious of like, not looking for things that he could say that is telling me different that, Oh, see, he's not supporting me. He wants me to be doing something different. Well, I, you know, it's so true. We're always looking for the, the subconscious mm-hmm. mind is always looking for evidence and proof of those old programs and old stories. So I always say like, okay, so we get to let him prove us right. But which story do yeah. you want him to prove us right on? Do you want, are you, are you going to have the eyes that are always looking for evidence of the old stories? Like, oh, there he goes again. Oh, that, oh, there, oh, that, see, or am I going to say, hey, you know what? I want you to prove me right. As I remember the man that you are actually here, you know, rising and you are supporting me and you are loving me. And it's mm-hmm. so funny, Art, like we have these goggles. And so it's, <laughs> we have the goggles. So it's like, I want you to prove me right, but I, I like that, prove that story right, right? And instead of the old one, because we're always getting to opt in and we're training ourselves to see a story. We're training ourselves to see, you know, what's right. And, and, um, and I want to kind of like just talk about that whole thing a lot because I think that comes up too. Is um, I, I know especially with the men, and I want to talk about for the women some stuff that comes up. Some stuff that I have seen a lot coming up for the the women is actually like he's trying to control me, and he's trying to you know I, I'm in this like kind of competitive space with him a little bit, right? Like I have to compete with him, and we know that that's just old wounds that we're working through and stuff like that, but. Um, I just see that these are patterns that just keep repeating themselves. So what do you get to let go? What are you noticing yourself really letting go of in this process? Which is like not easy work, by the way, people. <laughs> no, not, not at all. I mean, well, I mean, and we can get into to this later, but again, it, it stems from your, your first masculine love, which was my dad. And he was hard on me and, um, I, I never felt good enough and, you know, or pretty enough and all that. And then I, you know, go into the relation, another relationship where I kind of married the same kind of person and I have that programming and, um, going through your program. I mean, just, it's just these simple things, but like you just said, what about what's going right? Why am I on guard? Like, it doesn't have to be like that. And, and to truly be in a honest, authentic and vulnerable relationship you have to like, let go. 
And I have to drop that armor and not replay this programming that I've had my whole life that they don't think I'm good enough. They're trying to control me and I need to have, you know, I, I, I need to watch for it. So with you bringing that to my attention, I, I feel I am um, looking at more like, no, he's encouraging me. He actually is supporting me. He does love me, you know, and, and I need to, for me to be totally true to him and for us to really come into the relationship that we want, I, you have to drop that and really look at what this person really is doing rather than your old story. Yeah. And see who they really are. But also yeah. it's like, where are we getting that question met? You know, in the past, and you said it, like we always talk about, this, it's like our first love mm-hmm. always sets the stage for the way we're going to interact. So the question is like, am I still asking him to prove that I'm worthy? Is he, am I still giving him the power? You know, am I making him God or am I making her? Yeah. You know, to say like, well, if he has the power to build me up that much and he has the power to destroy me that much, like that's, I'm always going to be seeking that question, that validation from that person. Right. And, and like, it's, it's work to go back within and start getting that validation within and remembering the God, the woman or the man that God created. And like, there's only one person that can really answer that question for us, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. And why do we have to live a life? I mean, we can't control how, you know, what happened in our, you know, childhood necessarily, you know what I mean? And how our parents were and, and, and we, everybody makes choices that, you know, don't have the best outcome, but it's like realizing that I don't, I don't have to live my life with that forever. You know what I mean? And I can have a a reset, a refresh and, you know, just really turning to God and seeing yourself through his eyes. And by doing so, you can really drop all that, all of that and really give yourself to the other person and say, I'm going to, I'm going to, it's a clean slate. I'm going to, I'm going to look at him. Like he's seeing me just like God sees me and yeah, trust and faith in there. But it's hard. <laughs> it's a battle. It's not like you just snap your fingers and it's a battle and you got to go to God and say, okay, God, I'm screwing up again. I'm believing this BS story, but you know, you do that. God sets you straight and says, so what's the hard it is. It's, it's work, you know, it's work. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes we buy these stories like, Oh, it's just easy peasy and everything's no. amazing. Or, you know, I'll see people like, and I know you've witnessed it too in some of the journey that sometimes it's like, it's supposed to be amazing all of the time and easy. And if, if all of a sudden it's a struggle again, then, you know, it must be the person it's wrong. The relationship's wrong. Mm-hmm. So I got to jump to the next one. And it always comes back to like, what is the familiar pattern that's showing up and whose pattern is it right. And coming back to that zero, that set point inside to go, is this actually the same drama that I keep attracting or recreating or <laughs> playing? It's my game. I'm the one playing the game, right? I know we talk a lot about playing the game and the rules of engagement. I want to come back to that in a second. But um, so, you know, I do hear that a lot from especially women, but men too, that, you know, we all have victim consciousness. We can all fall into it. And that's always one of the questions is like, am I still, you know, either playing the bad guy or playing the victim, the abused one. And, you know, it kind of gives me safety in this space or am I going to own, nobody likes to say, hi, I'm a victim, you know, but it's the reality. (laughs) We tap into that level of consciousness Mm -hmm. at any moment we can decide like, I'm no longer a victim and I'm no longer the oppressor. I get to, we now get to like play in this space of neutral honoring and respecting each 
together. And, you know, we're both kind of like starting from ground zero, remembering what we're here to do and who we are. So what are some of the, I'm, I'm curious, you know, for maybe for you, Eric, too, or you can relate maybe to men, what are some of the common patterns that we see in the men showing up over and over again? <laughs> well, I think that, um, you know, when, when you're dealing with issues from the past that are presenting themselves um, in the present, the, you don't, the emotion happens first. The, the, whatever circumstance happens, then you feel the emotion and then you put the story to match what the emotion is. And I think that's been the biggest one for me is trying to say, okay, is this really, is this real? What's happening? Um, a lot of my past was about being passive, which is really not who I am. And so I'm overly aggressively um, aggressive and not, not open to uh, critical uh, observations and things and being overly defensive. So when, when that happens, I need to say, okay, I, the emotion's here, but is this really something that I need to be concerned about? Um, Jordan's never gonna do anything that's you know malicious or mean or not in my best interest. So I really should just be open and vulnerable with what she has to, to bring to me. But that hasn't been the case for most of our relationship until we started on all this. And I've always wanted to be less defensive. I just didn't really understand. And, and now it's, if I set, with Jordan and I together, we set the intention for our marriage and we set the, I set the intention for my day. It's much easier to be consciously aware when these things come up. And, and it does take work because it's not, it's not always easy to catch. You get caught in the middle of stuff and it's like, and after the fact, you're like, I can't believe I let that happen again. But it's over and over and over practicing, trying to be, re be centered to where you're at, be present where you're at, and then better things come. And the other issue was for me is trying to please Jordan to make sure she's in a good mood. So um, hopefully I don't get anything critical coming my way. Yeah. But that's not, that's making her my God. It's if, if she's happy, then I'm going to be okay. And I know that happy wife, happy life, that's true, but it's, it can't be as a result of your, your happiness as well. You know, we, we, as men have to make sure that we're doing what we're doing and then um, that fulfills us and fills us up and then be who we are. Because at the end of the day, I can't just become what Jordan, what I think Jordan wants. I have to become the man that I think God wants me to be. And that will have to be good enough for everybody. <laughs> and, you know, uh, understanding that, like you say, it's not always happiness and it doesn't have to be. There, there's times that things just happen and we're not happy. But that is also a growth process. Learn from whatever that situation is and, and move forward from there. But I guess I was I would say just um, from my side, um, it's just dealing with getting critical feedback and and not becoming defensive, just accepting it. Yeah, I mean that's tough for guys because I know a lot of the men I've worked with too. Yes, the people pleasing thing is huge, but I think that comes back to that core of a man's design. That's like okay, you know, we're here because we want to provide. We want it. We have a mission. We want to be providers. We want to be supporters. We're you know like. A lot of women complain, well, he's always trying to fix me and stuff. And that is like, you know, I, I get that at the core of the man's design. That's your desire to come through, right? That's, and I always say like, God wants to come through for us. And I know men want to come through, but when we start 
wanting, letting somebody else dictate all of those strings, you know, that's when we really start giving that power away. And the people pleasing thing, that is a pattern, you know, we, we, men and women, we fall into that. Right. But we're jumping around and at the core, that is truly like, that's that fear of failure. You know, if I don't make her happy, am I failing? Like, am I failing her? Am I failing myself? Am I failing as a man? Women, same thing, right? If he's not always like, if everything's not always amazing, am I failing? You know, and it's like, we're so terrified of, you know, this idea of, of failing or not coming through or not being desired, which is honestly, we got to own the fact that those are core desires that God put in our heart, that we are designed to be wanted. We're designed to be desired. We're designed to come through for each other and support each other, but we're not designed to be like the only source of it. And I think that's really what this comes down to is when we make ourselves the source of meeting all of her desires or his desires or letting him feel like he's good enough and strong enough and got his shit together enough, we're going to fail because we're Mm -hmm. human, right? We're human. And I'm not your God. I'm not your goddess. Mm -hmm. I'm not a goddess. (laughs) And I cannot stand all of these teachings that say that all the time because when we realize in my humanness, I can do so much for you, love, you know, and God's got to do the rest. You, that's between you and God. And as you come back to that, you know, I think as we continue to come back to source God, our creator, to be the source of that for us and for our marriage, we're able to come from a way fuller place, right? And realize mm-hmm. like the only one that can truly make you happy is you. And mm-hmm. I can do a lot of things to support you, to come through for you, to remind you of the man you are, the times you're beating yourself up, right? Um, you know, I think I can't, even right now, Mark just sent me a text a few minutes ago because, man, I feel so bad for him. my husband has been sick. He got the food poisoning and then he's got, he just got back from a clinic because he thought he had a COVID test. And one of the things that he just sent me a text and said, you know, baby, thank you for just giving me the space to relax and heal without being on my ass, ass you know, and because I just like, I let him be right. It's like, mm-hmm. you need to rest, rest. You know, and instead of like, what are you doing? When are you getting up? What what else is coming? You know, what are you doing? Are you okay? I'm not mumming him to death. I'm not trying to move his recovery along. It's just like go, and I'm just handling my things. And and I remember, you know, that's that's been something for him where it was like that fear of like I can't relax because if I slow down or I relax, she's gonna be like on me, you know. And I used to be that woman. I my old marriage. I remember when my husband used to sit down on the couch to watch a game or something, or, and I, we all go through this. Sometimes I'm like, what are you doing over there? But I was like, what are you doing sitting on your ass doing nothing? You know? And I realize now how important it is for both of us to have downtime and recovery time. And then that looks radically different for men than it does for women. You know, men need their cave time, you know, (laughs) and women, we need our own time with ourselves, with God and with each other, like the nurturing, talking, you know, that connection. But we're so terrified, you know, of having to control it all. And if they don't want to be with us 24 seven, or they're not doing what we want them to be doing on our timeline, then everything's falling apart. And it's, this is like really the surrender conversation and also honoring and respecting. And I want to shift into that real quick before we hop and kind of wrap this up. But I think a lot of couples out there will say, Hey, I love her. I love him. I loved my ex-wife. I loved my ex-husband. But to be honest, if I'm, I'm going to be the first one to raise my hand, and I would say that 
I didn't just have one failed relationship. I had a string of many. So, and it was always the same theme for me. The theme that kept coming up is, well, there was love, I guess, if that's what you would call it. There was something that I call love, but there was never any respect. There was never any respect in the past. And I would say that the biggest game changer for my relationship has been to come into this place of deep reverence and respect, you know, for man, masculine, but really that's because I went into deeper reverence and respect with God and myself. But I want to ask you guys about this idea of respect and how you've seen it, you know, in your past life, we'll call it your past lives and what the process that you're in right now yourself, because I think that that's something that a lot of maybe couples can relate to is like, man, we have a lot of love, but I don't know we're we're learning to respect or, you know, what, what comes up for you? even with that, that statement, do you need love and respect? <laughs> Which one's more important? Talk to me about it. Talk to me about well, that. You definitely need, need, um, both, but I guess like, again, I have my, my, um, ex-husband, but I've had other long-term relationships and it's, it's the same thing, but it, it, it really boils down to, um, not respecting myself. I mean, that's why it's so important I mean, you want to be in a relationship and work on it, but I, I feel like so many people and us also the hyper focus on the other person, they need to be doing this and this and this, because it has to look a certain way or they make, they're your God. They, they make you feel okay and whatnot. And so it's so important to work on yourself and rediscover yourself and surrender to God, because when you're doing that, you begin to love yourself, respect yourself. And that other person can be your, just your lover, not your God. You can, you can have like a nice flowing relationship of the feminine and the masculine. Cause Hey, I'm over here. I'm working on me as the woman that I am and who I am with God. Eric's doing his thing, um, working on the man he is, the man he is with God. And then we come together and we're not looking for each other to, um, be the source of everything, but you can't do that unless you really get vulnerable and work on yourself. Otherwise you're always going to be disrespected, unloved, and in the same toxic circle that you've always been in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's been huge. Cause like, like you've said many times, I mean, we're in such an era where it's like, you know, men, you're not going to tell me he's trying to control me and I'm just as good as him and everything like that. And women have this like, you know, guard on and men do too, because women are trying to control them and everything. And and I feel like really getting quiet and getting with God and and discovering myself. It's like, I don't need to be that because I'm, I'm a woman. God created me to be me and she is just as important, but in different ways. I'm not a man and I don't want to be. It's beautiful that he's a masculine man. I'm a feminine woman. And that is the ultimate relationship. And it's just freaking amazing when you start to come into those roles. Something I've never experienced before. Yes. I couldn't agree more. And you said it all so beautifully and yes, yes, yes. It's exhausting to try to be the man. It just is. It's exhausting to think like a man, act like a man, move your body like a man. Like we are biologically different. We're emotionally different. We're hardwired different, softwired different. Like everything about us is unique and beautiful. And I, what I, you know, it's just such a beautiful 
image of the masculine and the feminine really complementing each other, right? And so this mm-hmm. whole thing of like, well, we're whole in, in our relationship with ourselves and with God. And then the, we have this physical ability to come become whole in the physical, in the sacred union. It doesn't mean like, oh, I'm not whole without a man in my life because mm-hmm. we can have that relationship with God. But absolutely when we come back to our own design, our original design, relationships just like, flourish, you know, and we flourish and, you know, the power that we find as a woman, I know it's certainly been true for myself, the power and the strength that I've had as a woman is truly like this feminine power and feminine strength. That's not this force that I was trying to, you know, exert before where I was like attractive, but very masculine and always like competing with men all the time and feeling like I had to. And it's like, no, I can just be here and be taken care of and bring the power that only the feminine can bring. And the love and the nurturing energy. So I love it. It's easier. Like, again, it's harder. You're going against the grain to try to be masculine because it's not who you, it's not what you were created to be, but being to let go of that and just come into your feminine power. It's easy. And same with a masculine, you know what I mean? And it is, we make things a lot harder than they need to be. Say that again. We make things a lot harder than they need (laughs) to be. We sure do. And it's just so much easier. Just like, oh my gosh, like, this isn't even work. It's like, it's fun. and It's exciting to embrace this yeah. new identity, which really has been my identity. I just, you know, was going against the grain and trying to create something else. So. Yeah. We forget, we forget, right. We become yep. blindsided. Um, Eric, what about you with the respect conversation? I'm curious to hear your perspective. Well, I think that, um, respect is, is easy when you have, um, competence in areas um but it's not so easy where you where you have vulnerabilities and it seems like the universe is in there and so what you're putting out you're going to get back and um one of my vulnerabilities was was a couple of them was being a husband and being a father and so whenever there's critical things coming from that i have issues with it and that determines the amount of what, what response I get. And if I don't feel it's respect, it's disrespectful from the beginning, I don't give the respect back. And that is something that's bothered me a lot that being disrespectful because of my fears and my insecurities is kind of the default way to be able to try to control people yeah. um, through intimidation or um, manipulation. And that's not okay in any situation. And you know, if I'm going to be the man that God wants me to be, that's not a, that's not going to be something that I do. And, you know, in other areas of my life, it's been easy. And I've worked on that for many, many years to not have to worry about what people say to me at, in, at the office, how, what my team members think about ideas. It doesn't, doesn't matter. And it truly doesn't. But in the other areas, I have a lot of work to do. Um, with the boys and with Jordan, it can quickly get off, off, off target when there's a, criticism that I don't believe is valid. And at the end of the day, it's valid to them. So it has to be valid to me. And that's, that's true respect. It's being compassionate for what they feel, not for what I think they should be. Yeah. Because of my intentions aren't always what actually happens. And that's, that's a big thing that I come to realize through um, your coaching is that the, the way I come across is not the way I think I am. 
I think I'm a like, nice, cuddly little teddy bear, and sometimes people think that I'm not. And I don't know how that could possibly be. <laughs> but not to that degree, but um, not to the degree that I thought it was either. So that's been a real eye-opener. And I don't know how I would have gotten that kind of feedback because it's something when when the Jordan and the boys feel it, they're already in the feelings and they're already reacting. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm like, well, I don't understand this reaction because of the way my intention was. But having a third party that really knows who Jordan is and knows who I am, like, well, I think this might be something that's coming across a little strong and it's hard to take when that's coming across. And, and then I actually look and say, oh, I, I need to change. I need to be more lighthearted and more um, try to smile more. Yeah. I, don't, I don't do a lot of that. I'm trying. I think we can all have a little bit more play and relaxation in our life and a little less seriousness, but I just, I, I want to honor both of you guys again, because it, this is deep work and it's not the easy work. And the funny thing is, is even though it requires a ton of awareness and intention, the word intentional has come up a lot today and a lot of awareness and it's an inner journey. That's really the work. That's the hard work. You know, this isn't required a lot more of your physical doing and organizing, but it's, it's a, it's the work is being vulnerable. The work is being intentional. The work is showing up and being aware. That's the work and it's presence, right? And it requires us to call on a whole new level of presence. And um, I just want to honor you guys for doing the work because, you know, a lot of people like to stay in the blame game and not do the work and just move to the next one and move to the next one mm -hmm. or just numb out in one area and get all of their satisfaction and fulfillment where they're winning, you know? And so, you know, it's easy to do it in the areas that you have high competency. And just like Eric, you just said that, you know, if you're crushing it at work and that's like your zone or it's easy to just put all of your energy there. But when you start to really, okay, I, every area of my life gets to upgrade and be a reflection of, you know, what I know is possible. I want to honor that. And I also want to honor the, you know, the vulnerability of showing up on this podcast and sharing your story and sharing the, the thing and, and the humility that's come, you know, and when we're able to say like, I'm the one who, you know, when we can begin to see ourselves that way and hold space for others, that's incredible strength and incredible power and, and humility, I really believe is, is the tipping point when we mm -hmm. really start to see our relationships transform. So um, I know that we are wrapping up here, but Eric, it just in the last minute here, what would you have? I know like where you guys are at, you're sort of in the middle of the work and we're on this journey real quick. What are you most looking forward to? And what would you say to someone else who's maybe in the tension in their relationship of like two bulls in a China closet, or maybe just like in the tension of knowing that they want more but just can't bridge the gap, can't figure out what to do and just in that cycle and loop. What would you say to someone? Well, I, I would say that um, from, from my perspective, it's, it's really easy to see what everybody else needs to do. Um, I've done a lot of self work and all that, but I'm, I'm not as easily, I'm not easy to see where my side of it is. And without somebody who's been through the work such as yourself that can point those things out, I'm not interested in somebody who has a lot of letters behind their name that has a lot of theories. I want somebody that knows, went through it, understands, and, and that um, can, can um, give tactical um, ways of getting over things. 
that's been a huge part for me. It's what, what should I have said? What should I do in the situation? And then I get to be able to practice. And then when the trigger comes, it's less. And then the next time it's less. And I'm always going back and through prayer meditation to reinforce the, the positive behaviors. But I'd say that you, you don't know what you don't know. And I can go through a lot of things, but if I'm always thinking, well, I know that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but I can do it differently. Mm-hmm. I can say all the right things and do it the wrong way. And just the energy that I bring can show disrespect to the people around me. And that was never something that I ever thought about. And there's so many of those things that it, it doesn't, I mean, I, through meditation and prayer, I don't get a divine pipeline from God telling me, here's your top 10 character defects and this is how you work through them. <laughs> and that's that's the whole point. Why, why try to recreate the will and at the end of the day, it's going to help your your relationship with your wife, with your kids, and with your coworkers. So there's no downside. It's just a matter of do you want to be vulnerable enough to say, okay, yeah, I can accept that, and then work through it to, to make it make it a better situation. Awesome, thank you. I appreciate that. If you need- I would also say that there's a there's a there's a huge amount of productivity that's involved. We're talking about a lot of work, but as we get through these, it makes everything so much more efficient because having a conversation with Jordan about something and not having an argument is about, say, hours, hours of days. So we can actually, neither one of us can be triggered and neither one of us will be defensive and we can actually find maybe not the solution, but at least a resolution. Yeah. And then... I can focus on whatever else I need to do that day or whatever happens. It doesn't involve, you know, I mean, like multitasking, I believe is doing multiple things badly. Fix and resolve the issues because you have a better way to speak to each other and a better understanding of each other. And then you're able to be present in the next situation. Yes. This is what I call multiplying time. And energy. We are multipliers of time and energy and money and love, you know? And it's like, gosh, we're kidding ourselves half the time. If we think that we're, we're sort of like just pushing things along, you know, but um, no, I love all that. That was really good. Um, So if people are feeling stuck, it, it really does help to get that third neutral party. Like it just does. I mean, I, I know that's always been my way too in the past. It's like, I gotta get somebody that's gone through this, has lived it, experienced it, can give me a fresh set of eyes and ears and um, a neutral safe zone, a safe zone to yeah, go. Yeah. Um, okay, Jordan, what would you say to someone, you know, same thing, that's sort of a woman in a relationship, you know, that's sort of at that point of just like, Ugh. right? Locking horns or even maybe again, I'm going to say, or even maybe I know this was like, you guys, you guys both had like the desire, which I loved, like really the desire. There's also some people who are just kind of in the watered down zone, you know, the the canyon's already there, but I think ultimately we're talking to couples who know they want more. They want more out of their relationship. They want more from the relationship and for the relationship. And they're just stuck, stuck. What do you say to that woman? Well, first off, I would say, you know, um, understand you're human and so is he. 
we've all, it doesn't matter like if somebody's childhood was this way or that way, we all come from our environment and, and pull things from that, that create us to have our insecurities, our reactions, everything. So I feel like there's a major, um, issue with like, you know, social media and whatnot of portraying this perfection thing. And the real thing is like, it's all BS. We all have issues. So the the moment that we can say, you know what, I have issues. They have issues. Most people are not malicious. We're just, we, we're just learning how to do life. So, and it's a big thing to realize, first of all, and, and to be, um, to, to surrender to that and just like, you know what, it doesn't have, you don't, you don't have to live like that going through something like what we've been doing with you, it really focuses a focuses on us as individuals to work through those things, to see things differently. It doesn't mean that we're bad or we're broken or whatever it means we're human and same as the other person. And then as you in turn work through those things, it's like the, the clouds separate and it's like, Oh my gosh, I didn't know life could be like this, but we just have this programming, you know, and everybody's so freaking afraid to admit to that, you know, like it could be me or whatever, like that there's issues to work on. Um, I think people just need to realize they're human and there's not a, a freaking book that tells us how to do life. And, uh, it's okay to have some bumps and everything like that. And it's, and it's amazing when you have a different perspective of somebody else that was ahead of you that has gone through those um, bumps and everything and can say, Hey, this is what I learned. And you get your eyes open to a whole new way of life. Life's too short to live, um, with these blinders on and not wanting to really look at things and fix them. Yeah. And life's too short to live in a crappy relationship. It is. It, 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 it is it, totally. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. I love it. And you know, the human thing is huge. Like you're human. So if there are mm-hmm. issues, if there are issues and they're repeating in our life and we can look back and we can just draw a little timeline. I always say like, we haven't done this exercise yet, but I'll often like draw a straight line and be like, this is your timeline. Now write all the dramatic events in your life and what the theme of them are. And if you see a recurring theme, guess what? <laughs> You're the one that is a centrifugal, like you are the center point of that theme. And that's our soul's journey to overcome that, to learn the lesson, to break those generational patterns. I mean, a lot of what I teach and coach is that these are generational ancestral patterns and wounds Mm -hmm. that are being passed on. This isn't just ours. Like I picked this up from my father and my father picked it up from his mother. And, you know, it's just like, we just keep passing the baton on to future generations. And if we don't handle our shit, it becomes our children's to resolve. So, you know, all of this people pleasing and pacifying and pretending in our homes that everything's great while we're secretly just passing and dumping all of our stuff and our kids to pass, to, to be the ones to heal it, which, I mean, our kids are still going to need healing, you know, it's part Mm -hmm. of the human experience. But we're kidding ourselves if we think, oh, no, I'm just going to like sit here and pretend like everything's fine because energy gets passed on. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. the children are observing and absorbing. And so they're watching us and they're absorbing our energy and they're observing, oh, this is what this is what a relationship dynamic is supposed to look like, you know, and I I'll just 
still come back to saying like, man, our first loves have a lot to do with it. And the men, I always go like, what was your relationship with your mom? The first love and that relationship that was passed on in the women with the men, the man in your life, the masculine and those early relationships that you witnessed. Cause that's where all the seeds are, you know, that's where mm-hmm. all the seeds are and the roots are. And, and usually those are generational. I have two final questions. I want to just chat. The one is kind of practical because I know I went through this. I know you guys have gone through this. I think I know that when I was married previously, and then in my second long-term relationship after that, I went through a lot of therapy and couples therapy and stuff like that. And honestly, I don't know. It just never worked for me. I just, for me, I had my own experience with that, but I'm curious for you. What was, have you guys been through therapy versus coaching? What's been the difference for you? Where would you say, oh, this is what therapy was really good for. And this is what coaching, because I actually get that question a lot is like, well, do we need a couples therapist? Do I need a coach? What? Like, so I'm curious to know your thoughts or take on it, or do you have any experience with that? That's not actually something I've actually talked to you guys about. I had quite a bit of therapy with um, my ex-wife and what I, what I think therapy lacks is the accountability piece and really I've never, I've had a few different therapists, but I've never had a therapist that was actually willing to point out what the issues were. Um, it's really easy to talk about and point fingers, but, you know, it takes such a long time to get down to the root cause. It was literally three and a half years of, of therapy before my ex-wife was diagnosed with her diagnosis. And like, how can it take that damn long? But even during those times, all I was doing was working on the things that she found objectionable, which may or may not be any things that I really need to be concerned about. And with coaching, it's more about, you know, there, there's the, the, the two pieces that I think are important is when you're with a group and there's other people sharing vulnerabilities and you can say, yeah, me too. Or if you're the one sharing a vulnerability and somebody else is saying, yeah, me too. You, you don't feel like I'm the only idiot that doesn't get this. The other aspect of that is that being with you and, and knowing Mark, you guys I know have been through a lot of things and come out on the other side in a much better way. So I trust the, the path. And when you say, I think this might be an issue, I, don't, well, I, I understand where you're coming from. You're not coming from, I'm just a shot in the dark. I have no experience with what you're dealing with, but you might be going through this which is what most therapists don't have the same kind of experience. And being people that are entrepreneurial minded, being people that are wanting to be um, closer to God and, and have very loving relationships, especially with your intimate relationship, but with everybody, that's what I'm looking for. And you can't get that in therapy because I don't think there's enough uh, life living uh, lessons that they can give because they've read it in the book and they understand what the, the code is and this is what the therapy is. But I'm, I'm more appreciative of people that have, have actually walked the walk. Love that. By the way, I'm not poo-pooing therapy at all, but I do want, I did want to have this conversation because I do think that there might be a time and place. There is definitely a time and place um, for both. I had someone call me the other day and say, Hey, are you a therapist? And I said, absolutely not. You know, um, I, I will hold a big mirror, but you know, I think like you have to be at a certain point to be ready for coaching versus, you know, 
the therapy room and they both serve a very distinct purpose. Um, and they're very different in their directives to your point. You know, I was in therapy for years as well, and it was a place to go and process and dump things out, but never really experienced a lot of forward momentum in terms of consciously creating the future. Um, but that was my experience. So I was curious, um, for you, you know, what the difference was and what was drawing you towards the coaching and that, um, Jordan, what about for you? Um, well, first I agree with everything that Eric said and also what you said, it's not putting therapy down. I mean, I've done a lot of therapy as well. And I think therapy is good to, um, really talk about the problem and just kind of like vent about it and talk about it because I, you know, I went, I've gone through a lot of things and so it's good just to, to talk about it and let it out. However, to me, I, I stopped therapy because it was just kind of continuing to live in it. Whereas it's like, okay, I vented, I let it out, everything, but I don't want to keep talking about the problem. Or if Eric and I would go to therapy or my ex, it's, it's, it's just focusing on the other person's problems, you know, mm-hmm. and with coaching, like you said, you've got to be ready to walk into that, but coaching isn't focusing on the problems. It's looking at yourself. It's, it's not, you know, fixing, it's releasing, it's opening up, it's discovering, it's, it's, it's surrendering. That's where the magic happens. So it's, there, there's a, there's definitely a value in bitching about the situation and venting and just getting it out and everything. But then there's a point where you got to like take ownership and say, okay, I'm done. That happened again. We're all human. Nobody's perfect. Nobody has to hide behind anything. Everybody has their shit, but then coaching it's like, that's where the real magic happens. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a definite, definite, like, I mean, it's night and day different. Cool. I love that. I, I, I get that question so much from people, you know, wanting to do like, what's the difference and stuff like that. So I, I think, you know, for me, I just definitely I've always been that. I've, I think that's part of that athletic background too, is like, okay, if I want to become a master of something, if I want to become a master of something, I want to get better. I want to get expand. You know, I used to say the next level, but really expand my capacity. I've always hired a coach and whether it was an athletic coach or whatever. And it's because it's, it's that person that will, guide, mentor, push, challenge, push back, right? Versus, you know, more of a, a place to go process things, right? Processing, um, which both are happening. But the last, in, in summary, you know, I w- we always have these relationship philosophies. So I want to just ask you guys, you know, the philosophy is sort of like my big outlook on life or my big outlook on relationships. So if I was to ask your old self, relationships are fill in the blank. What was your old relationship philosophy and what is it shaping up to be now? Or what is it now at this stage of the game, at this journey of the work? And again, it's like that when you think of like my mindset or my outlook. And again, I I know that one of my old philosophies was, which is totally not there anymore. I had the old philosophy that relationships are hard work, hard work, hard work, not work, hard. And so I kept attracting all of these struggles all of the time in every relationship. I felt like it was like I had to earn the awesomeness, you know, by like really fighting for it. So it was constantly like, oh, we got to fight for this relationship. And man, I was in like fight mode for so many years. And it was just, again, that was the model, right. That I had grown up. So I, I went from this like philosophy of man, relationships are hard. And you still see that everywhere, like means everywhere. 
And I'm like, but what if they don't have to be hard? What if they become the most life-giving thing that you do? And it's still work. Oh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of work that's very life-giving. Coaching, this, this thing that I yeah. do for a living is work. And I love it because it's good work. It's life-giving work. It's expansive work, you know? And so I, that's an, you know, been a huge shift for me. But I'm curious, what was your old philosophy if you used to, if I was to ask that woman of the past or the man of the past, I've always said, fill in the blank. Relationships are blanks. A lot of people maybe think that or are still stuck in that philosophical view, operating system of a relationship and the new one that you are stepping into more, embodying more of, or definitely experiencing more of. I mean, I would, I would definitely go with that relationships are hard work. It's just hard, right? Like it's just every day it's a choice. You gotta, you know, it's the hard work. Um, and I guess I don't, I don't want to be an advocate for, uh, people not being together, but I guess with my ex, you know, I'm not a bad person by any means, but I chose this relationship and, and it, and it was hard work, but even throughout all the stuff, it just wasn't meant to be also another thing. It just like, this is my choice. This is what it is. This is my life. I have to live this way forever because, you know, but I guess, so that's how I saw it before. Or I would think like, oh my gosh, like this, even with Eric, like he earlier, he's doing this or that. That means like, we're probably not supposed to be together. That perfect man's out there. Even though I've never been more attracted to another person in my life, mentally, physically, you know, anything, but it's like, oh, well, obviously he's not the person I'm supposed to be with because we're, you know, like this. And it's, that's not true. You know, and now the way I look at relationships now is they really don't have to be hard work. The the work there, there is work, but it's, it's, it's exciting. It's fun. It's like, it's just peeling these layers back and, and like discovering new parts of you. And while they're discovering new parts of them and they come together and, and just realizing like, no, we're, we're human. It's okay to have those things. There is no perfection. That's just a lie. And I mean, and, um, relationship it's, um, Oh my gosh, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's harmony. It really, it, it can be oh, like, like that. It. Yeah. You know, I like that, what yeah. you said about relationships are harmonious. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I think the big switch there that you also said was before it's like the perfect relationship is out there. It's out there. Yep. It's out there. And by the way, women are notorious for this. I know. Cause I used to also have friends and we all used to pray for our future husbands. Cause we yeah. were like, well, in case this one doesn't work out the next, the perfect yep. one, it's like that perfect relationship is inside of you. Mm-hmm. And if you get that right, the outer one starts to realign, yep. you know? And, um, yeah, I just, I wanted to tap in on that. Cause I think, especially for the women, um, that's something, you know, there's a lot of that comparison that goes on, especially with the feminine. It did. That's a little different from the masculine. And it's like, right. It's like, yes, love, you have the perfect relationship available to you now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. You can add something else. I totally interrupted you. Oh, no, okay. nope. <laughs> nope. Eric, how do you, uh, you finish us off on this? What's the old philosophy versus the new? I think that the old philosophy of the relationships are just a pain in the ass. <laughs> Not that they're hard work, because my philosophy now is relationships are a journey. And the, the critical piece of that is the person has to be willing to take the journey with you. And the reason I think relationships are a pain in the ass before is because there was no journey. It was just 
one person trying to find out what God wanted to do with his life and the other person complaining about everything under the sun. And the, the beautiful aspect is that the journey is a beautiful place. It's, it's not, you know, some, sometimes you're driving through the middle of the desert and sometimes you're in the middle of the mountains, but it's, it's the journey. And, and either place is, is a good spot. The critical piece is with Jordan and I, we both want better. We both want more. We both want to have, to get rid of the stuff that's blocking us from receiving God's um, direction and, and being able to show each other more love. And we're, we're understanding those things. And as they come um, fall, fall off of us, we get to experience more joy in our lives. And, you know, the, it's, it's really easy to say when you first get in a relationship that because Jordan's perfect, she's beautiful, she's smart, she's funny, all these things. Well, after about, you know, a year's time, that's not enough. It has to be something else. But the the want and the need to become better and to grow within God and to be working with other people that are of like mind creates a journey that's beautiful. And there's so much synchronicity that happens that I can, how many times Jordan and I are talking and say, can you believe this is really happening? It's like out of the blue, this is happening. And like, well, no, I think it's, that's, that's weird. Like, that's not weird. It's, it's perfect. That's what's supposed to happen. That means we're on the right path. I haven't had conversations like that with my um, relationships in the past because nothing really happened that way. It was always forced and it was always hard. And now Jordan and I are working together and, and trying to follow God's will and things do happen just out of the book. And that is for me, affirmation that we are on the right path and we're walking together shoulder to shoulder. That doesn't mean we're walking the same speed all the time, but we're, we're together. Um, you know, there's a lot of times that she's breaking through with awakenings and uh, things like that. And I'm just kind of out there, but it's, it's a, it's a beautiful, loving, supportive relationship that is on a journey. And that, that's kind of what I look at relationships now. It's an opportunity to walk hand in hand, shoulder to shoulder with the one you love and just find out what God's got in, or in store for us next. And that, that was never anything that I ever thought of in the past. Not at all. Um, something I want to add to that, that I, I want to say, and Eric, I think you can go along with this. I never also realized, like, again, everybody, well, not everybody, I should just say, like, it's kind of out there that, oh, the ball and chain or my whatever. Oh my gosh, like, relationships can be fun. You know what I mean? Your marriage can be fun, you know, two years, five years, 20 years, but it's like, like, date that person, you know, go on trips, spoil yourselves, you know be adventurous in the bedroom, like have, like do all that stuff. Like it doesn't have to be like, Oh, I'm a husband, I'm a wife. And it's just this blah. It's like, I, I think we've really gotten into that. I mean, we've always been good about that stuff, but really even more, it's like, Oh my gosh, I want to have fun with you. I want to, you know, surprise you. I want to be spontaneous. I want to do this and that. And like, I would have never freaking thought of a relationship like that, you know? So, um, it can be, just like that first date all the time. Yeah. It really can be whatever mm. we want it to be. Yep. And that's really what I think this whole conversation comes back to, you know, if we want the relationships to be hard and miserable and yeah. boring and whatever, then they will be. And mm -hmm. if we decide we're going to have a fun, playful, 
relationship and ignite the fire again, you know, we will. So I think like this, this is such an awesome conversation. So I really want to thank you guys for jumping in on this. And, you know, there's so many great themes, like what we're seeing here, you know, is that it doesn't matter where you come from, what your past holds, what your old stories are, what's really required is the desire, right? If you have the desire, if you have the desire and you have an openness and a willingness to say, you know what, what got me here is not going to get me there. You know, what got me here is now probably the very thing that's destroying the future. So I'm going to like put that down and I get to create a new relationship. So the number one question, the, the, it's so interesting to me, the amount of people that come to work with me. And a lot of times they'll come and say, you know what, I'm ready for a new relationship. What they think is they're going to end the relationship they're in and they're going to go find someone else. And I'm always like, well, you're going to get a new relationship. All right. I'm not sure if it's going to be with the same person or someone new, but you're going to get a new relationship. Cause even if you've been married for five years, 20 years, your relationship has to change. You're going to become a new man. She becomes a new woman. You create a new dynamic together. And, you know, these words that we tapped into together today, harmony, intentionality, awareness, patience, respect, humility, compassion. I mean, these aren't just things that we're slapping up there. This, These are the, the levels of consciousness we're tapping into. And this is the daily practice is to show up intentionally, compassionately, respectfully, right? Playfully. These are verbs and adjectives. They're, they're things that we do in, in motion and they're, they're a level of consciousness that we choose to show up at. And so if we're not feeling playful right now, then we get to ask ourselves, okay, whose work is it to get less serious, less dense, less heavy and tap into more joy and play in my life. You know, it's not your partner's job to come and keep playing, pulling you to the playground all the time. Otherwise you'll be sitting in the corner, miserable forever. You know, you got to learn to be playful, joyful, respectful. So I hope that, uh, this podcast resonates with you guys. I really want to thank you guys for being raw and real and being here. These are like real, this, they're in the journey together. And the last thing I did want to say about that journey is we are created for the journey. That is how God created us, man and woman, to go on this journey together. The masculine leads with the feminine standing by his side, and she brings her own level of leadership to the journey. But, you know, women, if you're still trying to lead the charge and go out into the wilderness and do everything alone and be the one that doesn't need a man, it's exhausting. That's not the way that we're designed. And there's a reason why men, you can have all the stuff and all the house and all the money and all the business and all the cars. But if you don't have a woman by your side who believes in you and loves on you and like stands next to you, it's empty, right? So we get to like something magical, transformative happens when we come together and start to become powerful co-creators, leaders, and transform the way relationships work. And I do know that if you're willing to be brave enough to take the journey, we have a ripple effect in the consciousness, the collective, because everything that you come into contact with and you touch and you speak to, I mean, the ripple effect is huge. So I want to thank you guys for being part of the movement. It's so much bigger than just the two of you. And thank you all for listening. If you guys are tuning in, please make sure that you subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend right now if this uh, conversation resonates with you. And if you're ready to take it to the next level and discover what is available for you in your relationship, you can follow the link in the show notes for the readiness factor assessment. There's 10 questions there to determine 
how ready and positioned you are to not only step into the next level relationship, but to actually sustain it. So make sure you check out that link in the show notes. Until next time, here's to loving fiercely and leading courageously in the untamed life. Bye for now. Thanks again for joining me in today's episode. It is my intention to bring you valuable, heart-shifting content every time that will upgrade your life. If you're a new listener, make sure you follow the podcast so you can stay up to date as future episodes roll out. And I invite you to head on over and join my free community, Warriors of the Heart on Facebook. In there, you'll find bonus trainings, a game-changing assessment tool, and exclusive member-only offers. Until next time, Warriors. Here's to loving fiercely and leading courageously in the untamed life, the only life worth living.